Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Are you a nihilist? I, I think so. I don't really know what that means. All right. You believe in God? No. All right. You're, You're just really putting me on the spot here. Yeah. I, uh, uh, no, I'm going to expand <laughs> on that slightly. I believe in something. I don't know what. Okay. This is a summer topic that I'd actually be happy to discuss with you. But, uh, yeah, quick quick answer, no, uh, but kind of. Okay. Well, uh, is Maple Leaf season... I, I got a oh, number. If that, it believes in the Leafs, there is definitely no yeah. God, just to be clear. Just just like Flea from uh, The Big Lebowski, you <laughs> believe in nothing, okay? It's very true. <laughs> the Leafs have 56 points through 40, uh, through uh, 46 games this season. Last year, they had 63 through 46 games. Mm-hmm. That would have put them, that 63 points okay. would have put them second in the Atlantic instead of third and still in a matchup with the, the Florida Panthers. And they would have had home ice advantage, which they had in the second round and lost in five games anyway. So, like, nothing matters. Time like, is flat circle. Like, yeah, obviously this, again, team is, this team is worse roster-wise than the team from a year ago, but nothing matters. Like, if you look as dominant as you did last season during the regular season, you're in the same spot. Like, it's... nothing matters. We believe in nothing, Lebowski. Yeah, I mean, I, that's very true. I, I've been spinning in circles regarding this Leaf team for my entire life, but, man, this this particular era certainly felt like it. Uh, let's talk to Sam McKee. Real kipper and born and Leafs talk, and Sammy, uh, you're a guy that believes in stuff. Like, do you, do you, do you believe that this regular <laughs> season is meaningless for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, yes, to an extent, but I think they have shown that their inconsistencies can leave them maybe on the outside looking in here on the division. Mm. So maybe they could be a wild card team this year. Like aren't Tampa right there with them now? I haven't sure. looked at the standings this morning, yep. but they won last night. So there's a potential that they could be in a wild card spot as opposed to one of the three spots in the division. So that's different. So mm-hmm. maybe it's not meaningless. Are so. you going to, are you going to be a believer and and a, a buyer in of, eh, maybe that's the route this team needs to take is winding their way and stubbing their toe and panthersing it up. I mean, you could talk me into anything and I'd tell you why that that's not going to matter because they're the Leafs. But what are you, what are you a believer in that? The idea of a different path coming in is, I don't know that the Leafs can ever be kind of true underdogs unless it's against back-to-back cup champs like the lightning. But what do you make of that theory? Well, last year in the first round, Keith and Cooper had an underdog off. I remember. Like they just were both like, well, oh, we never really skated before. Us. Our guys don't <laughs> even have hands. Yeah. They were both trying their best. I, I think any sort of difference. Yeah. So I'm looking at the standings this morning and they are in the wild card spot in Tampa yeah. passed them. So yeah, I didn't update I, my, my little statistic after the games last night. Ben, so, ben but I mean, they have three the games. They have three games in hand on Tampa. So like for all intents and purposes, they're third in the Atlantic. So they would be matching up with the New York Rangers right now. That'd be different. That'd be different, yeah, guys. Different, worse, I think. I don't know. They looked okay in 50% of the most recent Rangers games. <laughs> uh, listen, to, for me, honestly, any kind of difference heading into the first round is good. Mm-hmm. Anything other than playing a Florida team from your division is better. <laughs> yeah. Truly. Like, I, I don't know if it makes any difference. I don't know what it means, yeah. but mentally for this team that's had some struggles in the first round and against teams against Florida, I think playing in the Metropolitan Division against the New York Rangers might actually do them good. I really do believe that. But yeah. Maybe I'm just talking myself into it. No, no I think there's... Sturkin's not nearly as scary anymore either. Yeah, I think there's definitely there's there's definitely something there. Uh, speaking of scary goaltenders, I, uh, I don't have my spreadsheet in front of me in terms of the date each member of the Toronto media proclaimed Elias Samsonov dead and gone. Uh, do you remember what that date was for you? And are you surprised he has been resurrected? this far before Easter? 
uh, I mean, you resurrected's a little, I okay. would say a little premature. There we go. That's what I was wanting from you. Okay, well, are you guys, is it all the way back for you guys? Yeah, it's for me, it is. It's, for as me back, it is. it's as back as it was with Samsonov for me. I mean, I guess if I go back to the middle of last season, there was maybe a point where I was a massive, massive believer. But I think he's always been kind of one of these mid-tier goalies in the NHL that, yeah, he can have a hot run, but I also think the shoe's also ready to drop. So I think me proclaiming that he's back has more to do with the kind of ceiling I play, or I shouldn't say ceiling because we know what the ceiling can be very high, but the level of consistency ceiling is only so high for me. So I think that's why I'm more back is maybe I was less of a believer. He he gave up what 12 goals over his first two starts the season. Like we're Mm -hmm. at least back to like after two games of this regular season with Ilya (laughs) Samsonov. I think what I will say after watching him play those three games, one against uh, Detroit and the Squids and then uh, against Winnipeg on Wednesday, is that I think there's a world now where he's playable again. Like, it's like you can, you don't, he's not the literal worst goalie out of qualified goaltenders in the NHL. So I'll give him that. But I, I, I don't think... It's on a it's nice really edge generous here, of you. <laughs> it's, on, it's on a nice edge here. I, I feel like the amount of work that they've had to put in with this guy to get him back to this point is insane. And I think it's a a lot of work to, you know, send him to the minors, working with different people, coddle him. Every, every single availability Sheldon Keefe has says he's a good goalie. We still love him. You know, we'll have him back here. Like, it's a lot of work to have to think about your goaltending this much and think about your goaltender this much as an organization. So while Wednesday night was a wonderful story and beautiful and him almost mm. crying and the crowd chanting his name and them getting a shutout victory over the Jets, it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I'm maybe 30% back. Right. I really do feel like this is on a knife's edge. Okay. Well, let me, let me just clarify where I'm at as well. I still think... Uh, I'm not ready to report it, but I'm, I still think Joe wall will be the game one starter for this team. Like if you gun to my head, who is going to be between the pipes? I do still think it will be Joe wall. So I'm, I guess I'm, I guess I'm not all the way back, but again, it just goes back to but where even I was after, at on Sammy. I think most people were there at the beginning of the season, despite the fact that he had like a career high save percentage yeah. and out dueled Andre Vasilevsky through six games this season. Yeah. I think most people would have said, even before he gave up whatever six goals in game one against yep. the Montreal Canadiens, that, that Joe Wall was the the likely game one starter in the postseason. Yeah, that's where I was. You're right. You're right. That's yeah. a, that is where I was. But mm-hmm. I I also think that they could maybe use another goalie. Like I I, okay. I are you tr- are you trusting you trusting Joe Wall? No, no, I'm not. I, I'm not trusting like, him to stay healthy either. It's like, oh my goodness, he suffered an injury. That's basically it's it's been uh, strong performances uh, in the pro ranks over the last couple of years, but not a large sample, mostly due to injury, right? And, his, and maybe his ankle this... exploded on a flutter puck from the half board. It's not ideal. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like goalies get goalies get injured, fellas. Like, don't get me wrong, players get injured, but the nature of the mm-hmm. injury shook me to my core. Yeah, it was at nothing. Well, especially, again, considering the history. So let me throw a name at you because yeah. it's somebody I brought up the oh, other day. his boy. He's going to love this. Okay. UC Soros under contract oh, yeah. for this year and next at $5 million per. And, and Predators hanging in there in the Western Conference, but they are apparently taking calls on him. He's been pretty damn consistent over the last half decade or so. Are you, are you moving some chips to the middle of the table for UC Soros? I've been talking about this for two years now about getting UC Soros. I didn't Soros. know this. It's okay. 
It's because he's not a dedicated listener to the best show on the station, Real Kipper and Born, catching four to six, streaming on Sportsnet app, watching on Sportsnet. Why do I need to? Because I get a recap every day from Brent. It's true. In between the breaks, I'm just like, (laughs) and Kipper said it. It was so funny, man. I don't, I, I honestly think that you have to ask yourself if this team is worth it. Like I really, but you still, you get next year too, though. Yeah, but they have no, they have nothing, Ben. They would have to trade everything they have. They don't have like what that do the Leafs have that's more attractive than maybe like a team like the LA Kings who has tons of great prospects. They have picks. You look at other teams around the league that are looking to get a goalie. The Leafs cupboards are not full. They are bare. They are they're looking like my college house. They're just there's not a whole lot to go off of. Here. Milk crates. Like what what like what do you I guess, you know, Easton Cowan, mm-hmm. uh Fraser Minton, uh the kid that was a six-round pick that they just signed, Noah Chadwick, I think is his name, which is a oh, wild. He's name. very tall. Very the hill, tall. The yeah. hill of the beast is uh, is falling on hard hard times recently too in in uh, Marley yeah. Land. Okay, hold on. Let me throw one other thing at you, and I know you've thought about this, but we'll bring it bring it to air. Like, has Nick Robertson changed if he's anything? Before I thought he was like the piece that you'd say, okay, sure, like I'll take that too. You look at the goals per sixty numbers, and I'm not I'm not getting ahead of where I think the player is. He's definitely made some strides this year, but do you think that he has materially changed if he's kind of worth something in a in a trade discussion like that? Uh, well, you hope the Nationals pro scout joined up with them in Seattle. That's what you hope for. <laughs> like, wow, this guy's a player. I I think that UC Soros is a perfect guy for the Leafs, and I really think that like the like the way it's lined up where he has this year and next Mm -hmm. and you can do it with Joe wall where he's protection for Joe wall and you can kind of play him as a, like it truly is a perfect fit, but I just don't think that the Leafs have the capital to get it done. Like we're talking, we're talking multiple first round picks, multiple prospects, Mm. maybe even a roster player. You're going to have to give them Samson off to sort of, uh, you know, with the, with the contracts. (laughs) No, I just meant like <laughs> you're gonna have to incentivize that. Yes, you're yeah. gonna have to incentivize that. Is what I'm getting yeah, at. Sure. So I, I love then, the but, idea. Eh. It's one that no, no, no. Because here's but, hold on. Now that we're talking yeah, about this, if you're gonna make gonna this say, move, you have to make this very soon, so that they can flip. They can do the pump and dump with mm-hmm. Samsonov. I know and, that doesn't work as well with goalies, but if it's gonna work how, anywhere, how many how many more good starts do you need from Samsonov before the contract isn't like at least a negative asset, right? Like, can you get it to a neutral asset where, and then if it's a yeah. neutral asset and and you're the predators, okay, it's actually a positive asset because you're gonna get something for him from somebody. Maybe, maybe I think maybe. Th- Four more good starts. Like, boys, he was the worst goal in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dreadful. And he's had three, two okay starts and one yeah. really good one. Yeah. So I, I think it's I think it's a little bit early here with Samsonov, but I love the Soros idea. Yeah. I, it's, I've, I've been screaming it from the rooftops, but I just I don't think they're going to do it. I really don't. Well, it's also just it's funny the perception of a guy in market versus out of market, right? Because here Samsonov, you're right, like worst goal in the league, but if. Like, let's pretend he played somewhere else and it was guy went and got his head right and had mm-hmm. good week. He takes a week off at the all-star break. He comes back. He stamps it home with a couple more good starts. Didn't you guys have the Mike, uh, you had Mike Richter on like a couple of weeks ago talking about his uh, foray into the AHL and then returning and then becoming Mike Richter again? Yeah. Did you see his numbers? Yeah. The, <laughs> he played hockey games in the yeah. AHL and I think he had like a, 
under, I think it was his save percentage was like 960 in four games. Like, yeah, yeah he went down and played games. The, Samsonov went to, he was like Aaron Rodgers. He went down and went to like a, a silence retreat. I, I don't even know what the hell he did. Like, that's a great document. Can we get what happened down there? I don't know what happened out there. We're just, like, was he just on the ice? We're just requesting yeah. sports docs left, right, and center today. Oh uh, ben and I just requested a 37 parter on Anthony Kim uh, in, in the last block. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, you we're, saw that report, right? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, uh, I don't care as much as everybody does. Yeah, I know you didn't even text me back about it. I was very offended by yeah. that. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I can't really believe care. you're not excited by this. That was like the, maybe the most impassioned segment we've ever done on this show. The the, the oh, twenty sorry, minutes we did no, on Anthony no, that, Kim. So, no, it's fine. All, it's fine. We need a dissenting opinion. No, it's fine. It's just actually Ben's lying. It's the second most impassioned we've done because the first was when I remembered the Leafs were going to Sweden every day mm, for two weeks. That true. was the. But the, that was only fifty percent of the show. Yeah, but yeah like hundred percent of the show was impassioned <laughs> about Anthony Kim. You know what I'd rather watch? The players who are good now, like what? Why was like what? Oh, this guy who was like okay for two years is coming back, and he wore funny belt buckles. Oh my! God. I'll just watch uh, the two unbelievable tours full of great players. Oh, what's the other one? I know about the PGA tour. <laughs> oh, oh, you know the? You mean the tour with the reigning Masters champion yeah. on it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, uh, uh, back to the Leafs. I do love to get... I'm, I'm probably going to throw some catnip of you with NFL narratives if you want before we leave. But back to the Leafs. Let me throw this theory at you. It's one I've been thinking about. So you mentioned the idea with Soros, and I agree with you. I think it's a very interesting idea. I think the fact that it's this year and next changes the equation. But this has been the conversation we've had for the better part of a month about this Leafs team is what exactly are they going to do at the deadline? And not who's the player they're going to get, but just how active exactly are they going to be? What what does the team need to show between now and then? I've wondered if, and this is an odd place to be in the deadline, but there's been talk of standing pat. I actually wonder if Treliving kind of weaponizes the cap space, but in a way of being like the clearinghouse for other teams. I don't think he's helping the Panthers get anybody or any team he has to go through. But if there's a talk of not wanting to push in assets and kind of just toe in the line and see him where you're at, the Leafs have done this in playoff years. Like they ate half a laner's money to help him get to the golden Knights. What do you think of the idea of Treliving as a way to kind of set himself up? And, you know, I understand what it would be. It wouldn't be a bunch of blue chips coming in here, but kind of be in the clearinghouse of saying, all right, we'll eat some money. And that's how you utilize Klingberg cap space uh, i don't know about that. i hate it i want to be clear i just think it's something that very well could happen i think i what i would be doing at the trade deadline and as i'm just quickly looking at cap friendly here just to remind myself of the leafs um pick situation i would be trading players for players that don't make very much money that you can get for th- round three pr- uh draft picks mm. so like that's you know, hot I, I know it's really exciting. I just give me like a, honestly, what they need is a depth center, a winger that can play on the third line. That's got a defensive mind. Yep. And that's pretty much it. That's all they're going to be able to get. Yeah. Me. And I know we, we all spent all this time about talking about the trade deadline and we have specials on the, uh, on the, all the stations mm-hmm. about how, it's a great day, and we talk about, but the Leafs are not going to do much. I really don't think you don't give any I, credence to the idea of them going the other way. Like we have had people bandy this idea what, to us of like, yeah, not. I mean, your, your boy Kipper wrote about it. Wouldn't be a full blown sell off, but I don't know. Like if Bertuzzi's not clicking, I, I just because he hasn't worked here, I imagine a lot of other teams would say, mm, I feel like we can have a reset and have playoff Bertuzzi come come afoot. I'm not again. Don't take this as this is what I would do if I was in the chair. But these are all ideas that are that are up in the air being discussed. Like but, where are you at on that? But what if you? I mean, is trading TJ Brody selling? Yeah, I, I, to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, despite okay. the the lack of production, he's still he's still playing on the top pairing. 
Yeah, I guess. I guess if he was part of a trade to get like Tanev, you know, right? If he was like part of the money the trade in, money out kind a, of thing to get a re, to get a guy that can play on your top pair that you're not like terrified mm. about, mm. because that to me, like, if you're going into the playoffs and TJ Brody's still playing on your top pairing. Mm-hmm. You're not serious about winning. I, I I think it's been pretty clear this year that he's taken a huge step back. Mm-hmm. He's clearly had obvi- obvious personal issues in his life that like you know it's it's been a really tough year for TJ Brody. Mm-hmm. And you know I think he can step away if that's the case. Like I, there's lots of stuff in place where you know we saw Shillington go away where he was away for a long time due yep. to mental health and that sort of thing. So like if that's what's phasing Brody, then maybe he can do that. I just he's been really really bad this year. And if you want, it just I, I hate the offside thing. He's, put, he's playing the whole game handcuffed, boys. Yep. It's like every His pass. His whole life is a leaf. I know, but like he used to be way better at it, and now it just feels like the whole game he's completely handcuffed. Mm-hmm. I, I So if you were going to trade him as a part of a trade for a guy that you're going to play on your top pair, like a Tanev, maybe you're trading the 2026 first in that trade, or maybe mm-hmm. it's a third and another prospect. I don't know what it is to get it done, but to me, that's the only spot that if you're going to really – do something it's not addition it's subtracting him like that's really what it comes down to for me i, I and otherwise mm. just get a guy with a defensive conscience in the bottom six and or just get a depth d man that's uh, all i really need them to do okay w- where are you on tyler bertuzzi whose uh leafs tenure has been disappointing to say the least uh, although like it must uh-huh. be said he's on pace for more goals than he, he had a season ago he had eight in well, 50 games between the red wings and the bruins and but he's gonna get one when we see him next because he's gonna have the kid that's kid right bounce. yeah new new kid bounce but i mean they acquired him not because of his regular season but because mm-hmm. of the 11 points in the seven game series in a loss it should be also stated uh against the florida panthers for the boston bruins so i i guess if if you're brad for living you're 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 waiting to make a total judgment on that signing although we can do that he's making five and a half million bucks like, where are you on the season that Tyler Bertuzzi's having and the potential of him once again being this playoff revelation? I'm really hoping that it, you know, I'm, there's two things I'm happy about. I'm really happy it's a one-year contract at five and a half million oh, yeah. dollars uh-huh. because, boy, that would be dominating our conversations all the time. And the other thing I'm happy about is I have the memory of last year's playoffs, so that's what's getting me through this incredibly tough watch. <laughs> it, honestly, it's just there was a moment there. I don't know really when it was, maybe around the Sweden trip, a little mm-hmm. bit after the Sweden trip, where it was looking like it was going to work. Yeah, he got the belt guy, the first game of the trip. Yeah, This guy can't shoot the puck in the net, fellas. Like, it's just... He doesn't shoot it, though, at all. He's allergic to scoring. Like, he's had so many chances where it's like, that would have been harder to miss. Like, maybe try taping up your stick. Like, I know, like, it's worked <laughs> for your career so far, but, like, mix it up a bit. Like, maybe there's a reason why most of the players use tape on their stick. And... and it's not like you can't say he hasn't had opportunity. He's played with the team's best players for the majority yeah. of the season. So for me, it's concerning. And I think a lot of the lack of production is that he never gets to play in the power play. And we talked about this the other day on Kipper and Bourne. But like, you know, he's getting out there with the with the cast offs with 10 seconds left every yep. time. <laughs> I I I don't think I think that's gotta play into it. No, like he doesn't the production there. He had 10 points in the playoffs last year. Five of them were power play points. Yep. Like he's a guy that's usually seen time on the power play. And to me, if you were ever going to sort of try to get him going, you go to two units and you put him with some good players and put him in front of the net. Maybe it starts going in for him with those tips that he's supposed to be good yep. at and sort of his greasiness in front of the net. But yeah, you got to get him going here. And hopefully the flip switches on the playoffs because it hasn't been a very enjoyable first 
uh, four months of the season. Yeah, I don't even, you know, I think it was Bourne who threw it out with you guys the other day. The idea, just yeah, just give him Tavares' spot. Like, it's not going well for Tavares. He's a pro. Yeah. He can kind of eat it right now if that's the case. The the question or the thing that is most concerning to me about Bertuzzi is because I'm genuinely kind of a believer that the puck luck stuff will shake itself around. And, yeah, it's actually, I can, I can maybe talk myself into it's good that he keeps shooting it right in the goalie's chest because the shooting percentage will normalize at some point. But it's just the lack of the other stuff. I'm not going to say it's completely completely absent. You know, I want to say it was the game against the Canucks. He's bleeding from the mouth because he's right in the thick of it, but it just doesn't seem like we've seen that version of the guy. And I don't want to put the whole team's issues with that on him, but we've actually seen more of that from the Leafs this year than we've seen in years past. I don't feel like it's necessarily flowed from him and definitely not from Revo. And those are the two guys you kind of thought they were going to bring that. What do you make of that aspect of his game? Just not being there. And I'm with you. Like maybe he's just able to flip a switch in April and that's that. Okay. Would love to see it. Please He's proved me wrong, but I feel like that's the part. It's not the scoring that concerns me. It's the lack of, you know, jam, bite, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I don't know what happened to it because I feel like every you time agree I watched with me, the though, Red right? Like, I'm not, I'm well, not, yeah, I feel yet. like every, I feel like every time I watched the Red Wings when he was there, like, he was just a tornado of, I don't even know what, of, of, of something. Like, he just, was just flying. stuff flying. Yeah, you're right. Spit, yeah, and it teeth, just, hair, it everything. Just hasn't, it just hasn't been there. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, they told him because he took some dumb penalties early. They really kind of got in his ear to stop taking dumb don't penalties. Don't be Stop taking penalties. And then that was it, maybe. I don't know. It just feels like that part of his game has been completely neutered. So I I, I, I really hope uh, a switch flips here because yeah. they need it. He's making the like, – I, I put out a tweet the other day about uh, him and Tavares because somebody was talking about the secondary scoring and the lack thereof. Yeah. These guys aren't secondary scoring. No. They make $16.5 million. <laughs> and they've, yeah, here it is. Tavares has no goals in his last 10, as we all know. Yeah. And Bertuzzi has zero goals in 13. Well, You're I mean, not going to, who scores? Camp, dude, zero and 19. No. Gregor, zero and 17. Robertson, zero and 14. McMahon, who scores? Yeah, same thing. Robertson scores, okay? Keep giving him more ice time. Uh, here are the shot totals for Tyler mm. Bertuzzi in his last six games. One, one, zero, zero, one, zero. As, as rough. He doesn't have the puck in his stick. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's he doesn't rough. really play with the puck that much. Yeah, that's a shame. All right. Yeah. Uh, you have anything? Yeah. We, we got to let him go soon. Yeah, okay. I wanted to let him go right now after this. McKee, you love yes. narratives. What mm. is the, like, you love football? Uh, mm-hmm. Other than our beloved AFC coming through, yes. which is a tenant you and I have long held. Yes. What's the narrative you most want? Like, do you want Mahomes continued ascent to greatness? Do you want Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson knocking him off? What if Jared Goff balls out against the 49ers defense and we're having, mm-hmm. is Jared Goff a real one conversations? Like what is from a narrative perspective? And I know you love a juicy narrative. What do you want? Uh, I think it's Mahomes. Mahomes for me, like it's entering the point now where, you want as many as you can possibly get for him mm-hmm. because it's like we're, we're, as long as it's less ent- than seven, we're entering into the, the greatest of all time conversations here. Like he gets another one this year, fellas, how oh, old is yeah. he? 25, 26. Like we are He's 28. Okay. 28 still we're on pay. Like when did Brady start getting like he was mid. No, you can, you can, you can legitimately start having the yep. Brady conversation if he yep. wins another one this year. So, and I, just, I will be dragged you know, begrudgingly to that, but I agree. There's a ton of Baltimore buzz. You know, I just, if I'm talking about this from a gambling's perspective, getting Patrick Mahomes as an underdog is just incredibly enticing to me. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of it, in the NFC, everyone's pretty horned up about the 49ers, but I watch Brock Purdy in those tiny little hands. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. His little stubs, yeah. 
I like that. They're clearly the way better team, but there's a pedigree factor mm. with having Jared Goff, who's a first overall draft pick, who's been to the Super Bowl, who's leading this sort of gritty Detroit team that nobody's believing in. Like, I'll tell you right now what's on my betting card, and it's the two underdogs, the parlay. I really feel that we're going to be surprised by the. They may not, they might not win the Lions, but everyone's kind of thinking that. Like, what's the line in that game? Seven and a half, eight, six like, and a half, high. something like that. Yeah, it's high. I I got a funny feeling about the Detroit Motor City Lions boys. I really do. But uh, uh, give me more Mahomes talk because and I I know you guys. I know you guys probably hate this, but. I love the Kelseys and I love the podcast and I love like the, yeah, I don't the, hate the, that. No, Brent snow, hates that. no we'll get out of here. No. I hate Travis. I'm in on Jason. Why? Okay. Why? I, I love know. Travis too. Yeah, they're both, they're both, annoying. they're both. Mm, I love dancing. the Kelseys, man. Jason. Yeah he's, dance, yeah, he's, he's really good at what he does. And I would dance my ass off too. If I was that good he's, at football. But yeah. Brent is the guy that's like a couple beers away from the, like, yeah, the, 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 the Taylor Swift tweet, right. That, that, that everybody oh, dunks yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But well, I might, I mean, I might've sent one. Swift just Game? I He's might have sent one out. Game? I might have sent one out during the Bills game when yeah. I said, "How do you have Jason Kelsey in the booth and show literally anything else?" Yeah. Might have already sent it, boys. Mm. Might have. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, shocked. Me, I hate something and I'm annoyed by something the public give me at large the is enjoying. This weekend, rough, rough boys. Give me the dogs. Mm. All right. Good job by okay. you. Great job Thank by you. you. Good segment, except that you hate Thanks, uh, Anthony Kim. So yeah, that, that, that was, was just wrong. <laughs> that was actually just wrong of you. Confusing. Sorry. Very and bizarre. Bad. All right. Goodbye. Go away now, actually. I'm mad bye at you bye. again. Bye-bye. There's Sam McKee, real Kipper and Bourne, <laughs> and Leafs talk. Yeah. Um, Brock Purdy's got small little hands. Although that was the conversation around Jared Goff, too. Yeah, <laughs> if I do recall, it's like, he's just a baby. <laughs> it looks like doll hands on a man. <laughs> I don't know. Works out uh, fine. I think the weather had a lot to you do think? with Brock Purdy last week. Yeah. Forecast looks good for Santa Clara on Sunday. Uh, 22 and partly sunny. Would take. Hot uh, weather talk for you. All right. Ahead of the 2024 Rogers NHL All-Star Game this year, we will be giving away family four packs of tickets. The NHL Fanfare coming to Toronto February 1st through the 4th. Just listen for the daily code word in episodes of the Fan Morning Show today until January 26th and text it to 59590 to be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is Nylander. Our next code word will be in tomorrow's episode. However, tickets to the fanfare also available for purchase at NHL.com slash fanfare while supplies last. Raptors, Clippers, Kawhi in town tonight. We'll talk to Michael Grange, Sportsnet Raptors reporter next. Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Toronto's in developmental stage right now. Yeah, for sure. They're in a good place moving Bruce forward. Bruce Brown is going to help the Raptors more than they know. He's he going to be a star there. Like they, don't, they don't need to make a playoff this year. Who? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the Toronto don't need they're to gonna be. They're going to be spoilers, though. You gonna go in there, oh uh, man, Toronto and Terry? Yeah, we going out one and being a dog fight the next dog night. Fight. You gonna be like, damn, RJ Barrett didn't look like they just uh, opened up for Scotty Barnes to become a perennial all-star. Straight up, and and RJ Barrett, they they're creating a. They, they, listen, this can be like a two-headed monster early. Yeah, I like that. I like you too, bro. I like it. They're gonna be together for some years. Toronto gonna be like Toronto gonna be like the East Coast Utah. Yeah, Nobody gonna yeah, see yeah, them coming. Yeah, they gonna yeah, keep yeah. your ass in the mouth. Damn, you gonna be like, damn. <laughs>
When's that happening exactly? Uh, fan morning show sports. I also felt really excited until the last, like the last sentence. Yeah. And I should feel East more Coast, excited Utah. to beat the Jazz. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590 The Fan. That was Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce on their podcast. Ticket in the Truth, talking about the Raptors' future and Bruce Brown being a big part of it, except I think his tenure in Toronto is about to be yeah, over. Via draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I love Kevin Garnett. Uh, just again, like we talk all the time, like about, you know, players you revere because of ages and when they hit you. Guy hit me at the perfect time. I will forever love KG ranting and rambling, sounding like a little bit unhinged, and I'm very, very here for it at all times. Yeah, I got to say, I'm someone easily annoyed. If if somebody, like I was <laughs> dribbling, dribbling a basketball and somebody just started clapping loudly in my face, mm. I might I might lose my mind. Next time I see you at the sim, I'm just going to sneak yeah. up behind you and give you a big... Right yeah, no, I don't... You no would thanks. hate me for that. All right, time to do it. Yeah. Time now for our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider, the great Michael Grange, Sportsnet Raptors reporter. How's it going, Michael? The great Michael Grange. That's, great Michael that's Grange. a good way to Great way to start a Friday. Grange, Grange the Great. I was going to say, don't ask him if it just has to do with alliteration. Uh, I personally wouldn't have done it that way, but I, I don't know if you'd like the answer. So maybe we'll just stick to Grange the Great and not, not delve into the specifics of why. Mm, okay. Uh, uh, all right, continue. All right, Grange the Good. All right, uh, so Raptors, yeah, it's like the, the OG trade. I think we're all happy with it uh, at the outset, and there were actually wins that uh, uh, came afterwards against and like moral victories, and yeah, against not bad teams and Cleveland, and then yeah, they went out on the West Coast and man, should have beaten the Lakers and hung in there against some good teams, and now and now they stink. Like now and since then, they've traded away Pascal Siakam. I get it, but like they're they're getting blown out, and I know the final score wasn't a blown out, but like they were never in that game against the Grizzlies with no John Morant or Desmond Bain. Um, I got. I, I understand where they're at and and where the president told us they're at and what the timeline is. But am, am I wrong for expecting like a little more than that Grizzlies game from this team? Oh no, you're not wrong uh, in that context. That was, you know, a game that, uh, based on the level of competition, they should have been in. Um, you know, I think what's what was kind of I don't want to say disguised, but wasn't immediately evident as they were kind of trundling along as sort of a not very good team was that the injury luck that they were enjoying was spectacular, right? Like they just never got hurt. They had nobody injured. I think OG Ananobi up until the Acapurtal spraining his ankle, I, I think, you know, it would take a game or two, OG Ananobi missing four games with a, I don't know. I can't remember what it was was the only injury to their rotation um, or to their starters, certainly. And, and even in that, that sort of me was, it was a red flag was wait a second. So you're at that time, I think they were the healthiest team in the league and you're still struggling to kind of be in a playing position to be above 500, to be anywhere near 500. That's a terrible sign. <laughs> you know, and because you you know the injuries are coming. Sure enough, Jacob Pertle steps on Pascal Siakam's ankle, and they're one in seven since. And um, yes, it doesn't help that you've traded away uh, since trading away OG Nanobi, you've since traded away another, well, probably your best player. And um, yeah, I mean, this is what we're looking at. 
Uh, and it's going to be a tough next few months. There's, I, I can't really see any way around that. So if there is a belief that things can get at least somewhat better, it's with the return of Jakob Pertl, you know, the fact that they went out and acquired him. They give up the pick. We've talked about it ad nauseum. How much is he a part of the answer here? Like, what does he ultimately change for this group? And, you know, I understand you need size in the NBA, but just what, what about him, you know, potentially allows this core to creep a little closer to contention? And I'm not talking about this year, but, you know, the project of them building this, like how crucial to this, this iteration of the Raptors that they're trying to put together post-trades is Jakob Bertel? It's a great question. I mean, he's on the books for three more years. Um, and as much as, you know, people might say, well, you know, he's maybe that's a guy you can move. And, and if you're rebuilding, you know, that's you got to maybe he can fetch you something. I mean, the reality is, and I've, I think as we've seen, certainly with the Siakam trade and then in the trade market generally, um, you know, it's really cool right now. People are very, teams are very hesitant to take on significant financial obligations um, that extend much beyond, well, certainly for three years. And it's not that Jackson's Fertile's contract is so onerous. I think it's about $21 million a year, mm-hmm. uh, which is borderline, you know, I think it's relatively market for what he can bring you. Um, it's just that you know, I think that the environment the NBA is heading into until everything gets sorted out with this TV deal and um, when really teams really understand what the second apron and the more restrictive CBA rules are actually going to mean, um, you know, there's, there's people are trying to get off money. And um, so what I'm saying is I think he's going to be here one way or the other, uh, certainly for the rest of this season and, and beyond uh, to a certain extent. And so I think on the where he would fit is as the team evolves to a more perimeter oriented team. So if Jakob Pertl's the one guy on your roster or on the floor that most times who's not shooting the ball, who's kind of occupying, you know, who's, who's got to be in the paint to be effective. Um, that's okay. I think where the Raptors were struggling was, you know, when, Scotty Barnes was fighting for some of that oxygen when Pascal Siakam was fighting for some of that, that oxygen. That's where things got really cramped. So now you've got quickly, he's obviously, a, you know, an elite shooter. RJ Barrett, I think, is showing some signs of being adequate as a perimeter threat um, and as a spacing threat. Uh, Scotty Barnes has certainly made huge strides in that area. So I think, you know, as the roster evolves and you're playing with one non-shooting big who also provides you great screening, uh, you know, he's a good finisher, um, you know, decent rim protection. I think I think in that context, he's, he's a useful player on, a, on any good team. Mm. But, you know, but that so that's, I think, where the, the roster's got to evolve around him a little bit. All right, help me understand the timeline here because uh, Emmanuel quickly is going to get paid at the end of the season as a restricted free agent. R.J. Barrett is already paid. Scotty Barnes is about to get a max rookie extension. That's three-fifths of your, uh, your starters when this team is good, whenever that is. Um, Masai Ujiri talked about, oh, yeah, three, five years, most teams, you know, uh, that's what they're looking at for retool, rebuild. I don't know if I have the patient, all, patience, although I'm uh, a patient to a fault. 
also understanding that now they're in a bottom six position this year, which means they, they're more likely than not going to hold on to their pick, to, depending on how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, and understanding that next year's draft is better. There's the, there's the carrot at the, the very tippy top with the Cooper flag. Um, I mean, help me just to understand the, the timeline here. Like, is it possible they're worse next year? It would probably behoove them to be, if they're going to be bad this year, to be worse next year? Like, ex- explain the timeline to me. Yeah, I wish I could, Ben. Um, you know, and I think this all kind of goes back to and where I've been, you know, critical of uh, some of the decision making is, you know, if you go back to the start of last season and certainly the trade deadline of last season, um, it, it, there wasn't an evidence path there wasn't uh you know that i could tell um a through line that was sort of dictating how each decision connected to the next and you know sometimes that's a good thing right is is the need to be flexible and nimble and and be aware of you know just be ready for whatever opportunity presents itself like you cannot predict all these things it's just it can't happen but you know when you're operating sort of if that's your guiding principle, well, there's a downside to that too. And that is sort of uh, things don't unfold in your favor and you're kind of disadvantaged. And, um, and so to get to your point, like, I think that, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think once you're down this path, which was not their intended path, which was not where they were planning to go and be, um, you've got to be all in. Half rebuilding is um, is where teams, I think, really get in trouble. And it doesn't mean you've got to abandon all uh, hope of winning or or anything like that. But you know, if you're to your point, you know their best case scenario in terms of becoming uh, a relevant team in the next three to five years is to get lucky in the draft lottery this year, both in terms of the position and who they end up picking. It is a weak draft. And the reason I know it's a weak draft is because people within the Raptors organization have told me so. <laughs> and they told the public that a year ago. Yep. Um, so, so, but that said, like there are talented athletes in that draft. Somebody is going to get a good player. The higher you pick in that draft, the higher likelihood it is going to be you. And, you know, so, so that's, that's a reason one. Now, if that happens, so they end up picking five, six, four, wherever the lottery balls land, um, then you still owe that pick, as you're pointing out, to uh, San Antonio, top six protected next year, which is a better draft. And, you know, to me, the worst case scenario would be keeping the pick this year and then giving up the seventh or eighth pick next year in a good draft, and you're still not that strong a team. I think your best opportunity to be a a good team is to, like I said, keep the pick this year, draft someone decent, and intentionally make sure you keep the pick next year. The obligations on that pick is that it then turns into, I think, two second-round picks going forward. Yeah. Um, And uh, and hopefully if you're picking top six next year, 
Um, I'm not super uh, versant on all the elements of that draft, but I do know that the top three players projected are projected all to be very, very good. Yeah. And Cooper Flagg is the guy who people I've talked to, you know, is defined as special, somebody would is, is worth tanking for, and he's not a guarantee lock to be the first pick. In other words, there's, other, there's at least two or three other guys who are in that conversation, and that's where, you know, you know, the tanking thing gets real because, you know, as everyone knows, you can't just project tank and guarantee the first pick. But if, you know, there's consolation prizes in there, you know, it makes a lot more sense. So that's what I would do. I think that's the path they should be on. Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to do it? Who knows? Yeah, okay. And then, like, R.J. Barrett's not aged by then, but then he's, like, 25 and only well, two more years of, of, of his contract and, you can, know, can you're I paying also, for, for Emmanuel quickly. Go can ahead. I also throw one more thing in there that um, would we be sure that Scotty Barnes is the piece we think he is if they're able to tank with him and R.J. and quickly on the roster? Like, that's the thing I hear when I, like, yes, agreed, in a vacuum, yeah, hey, I'd rather give up two seconds than a first, especially if it's potentially where it could be in the draft. But how, like, we've seen what stars are able to do in this league and if we think scotty barnes is that guy and i'm still not ruling out that possibility how can they be so bad without like the luck of an injury or something along those lines with him in the fold do you understand what i'm saying there grange yeah i i I do understand what you're saying um there's there's two elements there one is you know i've been doing this a long time i've seen hall of of fame players play on terrible teams (laughs) like it's yeah it's it's a hard league people uh, aren't out on cade cunningham right Right, like uh, Caden. I mean, well, I, we don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. He's a pretty darn good player. <laughs> yeah, and uh, wins are hard to come by there. I mean, Chris Bosh is what is a 13-time All-Star, Hall of Famer. Yeah. he played on some terrible, terrible teams. Vince Carter, uh, Hall of Famer at times, among the best players, top five players in the league. He played on some bad teams. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just tough. And so, uh, as good as Scotty is, as good as you know, certainly the Raptors hope he can be. Um, you know, he can't get it done alone. Uh, the, I would say the other issue is also a factor and is, you know, so you, you're correct. Scotty's likely going to be offered and signed a maximum rookie, max rookie extension heading into next season. So that keeps him under contract for four or five years, depending on the terms of that deal. Um, but, you know, and this is, to my previous point, when you're talking about, you know, a strategy and a through line of a strategy, you know, one of the concerns uh, I think the Raptors had at, at various points was they don't want to waste these critical years of right. of, of Scotty Barnes's uh, not his development, but his as not to be too crude about it as an asset. Like right now, you know, you've got it's the same as in the NHL. You got the the best contracts in in sports are elite players on rookie deals, um, and even even the rookie max is the most affordable of the max contracts. Those are the years that you have the most flexibility to build around. And every kind of year of that of that uh, stage of a player's career that gets frittered away, so to speak, because of you know whatever the context, um, you know that's 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 almost like a double whammy, right? Um, a, you're losing, but you're also losing sort of like as a clock is ticking, like as, as your star rookie 
transitions from being a true rookie or a sophomore player, you know, to now Scotty's showing signs of being, you know, potentially elite. And then he, you know, and then in the first year or two of that max deal, you know, ideally he arrives there. Um, those are the years you want to be competitive. You want to have players around. That's why when they traded OG Ananobi, they they did it for, uh, you know, kind of peer peer group type talent. Um, so, you know, that's that's what's a little bit awkward here is is there's, you know, Scotty Barnes' timeline, and then there's the best way to add like truly robust depth of talent to your organization. And, you know, like doing it through the draft isn't the only way. It's not a guarantee. We all know that. But, um, you know, history does show that, you know, the most likely way to get a budding superstar is picking in the top five of the draft. Uh, Before I let you go, so basketball is back in New York City. Like they, MSG is a buzz, right? Like they, they just absolutely. Tom Thibodeau was smiling. Yeah, they just <laughs> thirty-eight point win over the champs yesterday. Eh, I mean, they poked him in the eye too. But um, yeah, OG Ananobi is a superstar, uh, which is great. I mean, I think we all grew to love OG Ananobi as a Toronto Raptor, and it felt like he was an undiscovered gem from a national basketball uh, perspective. And he's he's getting his due shine. How good is that Knicks team with him? Like, are we talking about a potential, you know, maybe not an NBA title contender, but are we? I mean, they just knocked off the champs and destroyed them. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, I think that there's a little bit of a comparison there to um, maybe that 15-16 Raptors team uh, where maybe maybe in the 17-18 team, but, but where uh, they're both, uh, pretty good, like better than maybe people realize and are kind of re- realizing themselves how good they are and why are they good? Well, because they shit, right? They've got kind of answers at all kinds of positions, um, but also have tremendous depth. And, I mean, the depth took a little bit of a hit when they traded quickly, but, you know, they still have, you know, kind of you look at that, that box score and you kind of go down to about the 11th player before you find someone who's not a really good NBA player or a useful NBA player, and they have a ton of pick capital still. And so um, I think they're effective because their starting lineup fits. OG Ananobi has just been a perfect um, addition to what they do and how they play. And they have a lot of you know depth elsewhere on the roster. And I think that they're going to be a very active team at the trade deadline. And the reason they can be is because they have – some interesting players that they can move along. So they have some, a couple of contracts they can move along. They have a lot of pick equity they can attach. And, you know, and then it's, we all know as we're here, you know, that was sort of the Raptors' secret sauce, right? Is they turned themselves into a really good team that was really deep and then still had plenty of equity in terms of draft picks and players to go and make two huge trades um, that led to a title, right? Like the Kawhi one, everyone knows about. But then, you know, don't forget, they added Marcus yeah. Saul midway through the season. So you you have enough to add two Hall of Famers and still have depth around them. I mean, that, that's, you know, it, that's how you win a title, really. So um, are the Knicks that? I, I mean, I don't know, but they're pretty darn good. I think they're coached great. I think they have. And another thing that's interesting there is, you know they have they have a feeling there, right? So you yeah. got three Villanova guys, right? Josh Hart, 
uh, Dante DiVincenzo and Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, I think that's that's a real thing. Like, you know, there, there there's a, like a vibe in, in, on that roster that is a little bit more than, hey, we just go to work together. And uh, that always helps. It absolutely does. Uh, Grange, we got to run. Thanks for this. All right, guys. Have a good one. You too. Michael Grange, Sportsnet Raptors reporter, our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. While it may hurt to watch mm. OJ and Anobi have mm. postseason success, the NBA is better when the Knicks are good. Wholeheartedly agree. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. The Leafs' spiritual cousin. We wish it was the Cowboys. It's mm-hmm. not. It's the Knicks. That's the team we're closest aligned to, close geographically. Yeah. And guess what? Same pain a lot of the time. And uh, 17, 18 wraps. Maybe the Knicks will be lucky enough to get swept in four games by LeBron James. It'd be in the finals <laughs> yeah, on, like, the second round <laughs> yeah. with that team if it did happen. Yeah. And, uh, boy, maybe the pressure would be ramped up on RJ and quickly if uh, the uh, guy they were traded think? for is, is hoisting a Just trophy over his a head. bit. We'll see. Great show today. Good uh, job by you, man. No, it's great job by you. All right, we'll be uh, back Week. on Monday. Today, great. All right. <laughs> this has been the Fan Morning Show. Bad Anna's Frank Gunning, Sportsnet 5.9 The Fan. Good morning.